You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, and welcome to episode 74, Building Relationships with Teachers. I am Chrissy Beltran, the host of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, and I am here today to talk about this really important underlying idea that everybody tells us to do, but sometimes we don't have any clue how to actually do it. And it's really stressful because building relationships with teachers is, we know, fundamental to coaching, and it's also really hard sometimes (laughs) because not everybody is excited to have you around. And I know that's so shocking because you're probably great. I'm great. I think I'm great. And people still didn't always want to have me around. Sometimes it's about you. Sometimes it's not. So so today we're going to talk about some strategies that you can use to build relationships that are going to be practical and really help frame your work in getting to know your teachers. So I have made no secret about the fact that whenever I was a new coach, I thought I was building relationships with teachers when I really was not. And back in episode 64, I shared about how miscommunication and struggling to listen to the intent of the words teachers spoke, not just the words they spoke, but the intent of their words, it really got in the way of my relationship building because I was hearing complaints, I was hearing negativity, I was hearing frustration, and I was using that instead of trying to understand really where the teacher was coming from and why they were saying those things and what they really represented and what sorts of support that they needed. It was just a total turnoff, and I felt myself becoming frustrated and, and just defensive, and I really struggled with that. So we've all been there, I think, and we start the job with really good intentions, but then you're always running. So when do you have time to build relationships? And even if you do have the time, what would you do, <laughs> right? So if you're listening to this live, This is August. This is the month where we are really getting in there, getting to know teachers, and we are spending so much time doing all kinds of crazy uh, stuff that we have to do at the beginning of the year, but I really want to encourage you to take the ideas from this podcast and apply them as much as you possibly can because a little bit of effort and work now is going to change your coaching work the rest of the year. It's going to make everything so much easier. So I have some really practical first steps that you can take to build some coaching relationships with your teachers that I'm going to share today. And if you take these and then combine them with the ideas that my guest Nita Creekmore of Love, Teach, Bless shared back in episode 29. That was my first season. We were talking about how she builds relationships with teachers and she gave some really cool strategies. Then you're going to have a winning game plan for sure. You're going to be able to reach the majority of your teachers. There are going to be a few holdouts. Let's just accept that right now, but we will do our best over time to get into the good graces of those people by doing some of these things in, in this episode. Okay. So I also have a really cool um, email course that you can take. It's like a five-day plus one uh, e- right to your email box, your inbox, and it has a video of each day, and it has a cool handout that will help guide your work when you're working with resistant teachers because these strategies are going to work with most of your teachers, like I just said, but you're going to have a handful who are going to be like, mm honey, that's not working for me. You're going to have to really, you're going to have to prove your worth before I am interested in doing work with you, and you're going to have to show me that you are actually on my side and not just on the administration side, which is sometimes the perception that teachers have of coaches. 
So I actually created this really cool little um, challenge that will walk you through that. And you can get that at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 74. That's capital E episode and then uh, the number seven and the number four. And that will take you to the show notes of this episode so that you can actually get access to that really cool email challenge. And this will, it'll, it'll really change the work that you're doing with teachers. I've had a lot of good response to it and I really want you to have access to that material. So check it out for sure. Buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 74. So the first thing we're going to talk about is foundational to any relationship that you are trying to build. And sometimes it's not apparent to us that it's so important because maybe we do certain things naturally and some people we just kind of click with. But there's a reason that we feel really good about some people and not so good about other people. And that is trust. All relationships take trust. So trust, if you kind of think about it as an equation, it's basically empathy plus credibility. And that builds trust. And that came from the wonderful Donald Miller of StoryBrand. He talks about how people, how to build trust with people and how to build empathy and credibility. And I just, I love his, the, his speech, his talks that he gives about this topic because I find that they are so relevant in all parts of your life. So in order to build trust, we have to build empathy and we have to build credibility. And I'm going to talk about a little bit about what those look like. Um, but to do that, we have to be really purposeful in our interactions with teachers so we want to start with two positive interactions before we do any real coaching work. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to wait until October or November to start doing coaching work. I really wouldn't do that. But those positive interactions can be centered around something that is important to the teacher. Or you can pop in and visit and, and, and just kind of comment something positive. They should be brief, they, really short. But the first time you work with a teacher doesn't have to be or should not be whenever you go in to provide them with instructional support because that can be overwhelming when they have no clue who you are <laughs> and what you're there to do. So we want to start out with these two positive interactions and really focus on building empathy and credibility. So let's talk about empathy, credibility, and trust. Empathy is basically showing that you care. Credibility is showing that you are able to help. And then trust is being worthy of, be of being believed in. So if you are demonstrating empathy, that can look like listening to understand what the teacher is actually saying rather than listening to judge or correct or fix. It can look like being what uh, counselors and mental health professionals often call slow to know, which is instead of making assumptions that you know what's going on and instead of making generalizations that you're plugging the teacher into, listen and wait and see if you can learn based on what you're seeing and hearing. So instead of jumping to conclusions, we have to be slow to know instead of being quick to know. And we have to pull the information from what we're seeing in order to create a good picture of what's really going on instead of, instead of our assumptions of what's going on. Also, if you're demonstrating empathy, it's because you're a whole person and you have a personality. <laughs> real people have empathy. Fake people do not. So it's important to be a real person. And it's okay to show who you are whenever you are working with teachers. Credibility is the other half of what we need to demonstrate. So we have to demonstrate empathy when we work with teachers. We listen, we empathize, we are slow to know, we are whole people. We also have to demonstrate credibility. This can look like being realistic, especially if you're thinking about online learning or any new changes, but really being realistic about everything in general. Teachers are so many times handed completely impossible and unrealistic and unreasonable expectations. And then coaches are sent in to, quote, enforce those expectations, even though that's really not the role of the coach. 
So instead of walking in and saying, well, this is what we have to do, maybe we can walk in and say, yeah, I can see why you're having trouble with this and be honest and be real. And maybe you still have to do those things that you're being asked to do, but you can come to a, a solution together or a plan together instead of just cramming things down people's throats and hoping that they're going to figure it out, even when you know in your heart that it's not real. And I have an example of this. One year, our bilingual department, which the, over half of our classrooms in the school that I was a coach at, at the time, were bilingual classrooms, dual language. And they, our bilingual department had created a schedule of times for each subject area, and that included whether those times were in English or in Spanish, because we had dual language program in English and Spanish. Whenever you added up all the minutes for all of those times, they added up to more time than the children actually spent at school. <laughs> so I'm not sure if the teachers were like supposed to do this during lunch or like after school, they were just going to teach to an empty classroom or what, but that's literally what happened. When you added up all the minutes, it did not fit into a school day. And the teachers were looking at that schedule and I was looking at that schedule and we were trying to plan a daily schedule that would actually integrate the timeframes that we were provided with by the district. And we were planning it out and we were trying to make it work and suddenly we realized it's impossible. It, it, it doesn't add up. It adds up to too much. I had a couple of choices. I could have said, well, this is what they gave us, guys. We have to make it work, which is impossible, okay? But instead of doing that, I said, okay, realistically, let's figure out the best of this and do what we can. I will contact the bilingual department and get back to you about what they say. But in the meantime, let's put together our best plan based in reality <laughs> with time and clocks and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so we put together our best plan. I contacted the bilingual department. I never got an adjustment on those timeframes. They were just like, well, that's what we sent out. And it was like, yes, we, we, we know what you sent out. <laughs> That's really not our question, uh, but you know how it can be whenever you're talking to people up higher up the food chain. So we did our best. We put together our best schedule, and that's the one that we used. And whenever we had to make adjustments, we made adjustments as we saw that we needed. But if I had pretended like everything was fine, can you imagine the resentment and the frustration, the frustration teachers would have felt towards me as well as towards the bilingual department? I couldn't do anything about what they felt about the bilingual department. Those people put themselves in that position. But... I could at least be realistic and that grew my credibility rather than taking away from it. Because if I had pretended everything was fine, that toxic positivity and we can do it guys, even though it's really impossible, you know, I teacher, teachers know, teachers notice if you're BSing them, right? So we have to be honest and real. You can also share your experience when a teacher is having a, a challenge and they're feeling inadequate or unworthy, you know, you can share those challenges that you have had as well, and, and that can help you relate and be credible, not only on the empathy side, because we've also had same challenge, similar challenges, but you can share your experience in a positive way to show that you do know some things. You don't need to be an expert in everything, but you should know some things. <laughs> so being credible can look like showing what you know about a certain topic or an issue and saying, you know what, something that I've tried, maybe we could try this. What do you think? and offer ideas whenever it's possible. You also want to be the support that they need. So if a teacher is desperately needing support in a specific area and you are afraid to reach out and offer that support or you feel like it's not your job, sometimes 
just being the support that they need shows that you are a person that they can go to for help. And that may be the first step that you need to take in order to build that positive relationship with a teacher. So if we're really focused on building empathy and credibility, we can expect that teachers will have trust in us. And that trust is the foundation for the relationship that you're going to build with your teachers. So be thoughtful about how you're demonstrating empathy and how you're demonstrating credibility, especially in, at the beginning of your relationship, but certainly over time as well. The next thing that I want you to do whenever you are thinking about building relationships with your teachers is schedule a one-on-one. -on -one. Now, ideally, if it could be the first week you're back, that would be great. Like before the kids start coming, that's awesome. That's not always possible. It just sort of depends on, on the situation and where you are. I know that I spent a lot of time in workshops for coaches that first week that teachers were back, and I wasn't super crazy about that because I wanted to be present to help teachers set up their classroom thoughtfully and work on classroom libraries. But we don't get to choose our schedule a lot of the time, right? So if you can do it the first week you're back, make sure that you schedule one-on-one -on -one just to talk to the teacher about, you know, how they're doing. And, and you can share a little bit about yourself first and really just kind of get to know them as a person and really share your role and your vision. And I talk a lot about sharing your role. I personally believe that having clarity on your role for you and for your teachers is an important component of building a positive relationship. I think it's hard for teachers to have a good relationship with you when they don't know what you're there to do or when they have misconceptions about what you're there to do. So of course, you know, sharing your role is coming back to identifying the services that you're going to offer and why you're doing that work and sharing that with teachers in a tangible, specific, you know, easy to access way. I've talked about a few different ways you can do that. Coaching menus, um, a coaching slideshow presentation, a coffee or cookies with a coach event where people can pop by and talk to you a little bit about what your plan is. But I definitely think that on top of that, you want to schedule a one-on-one -on -one with every teacher, really brief, and just ask them about their needs. What are they thinking about this year? You know, how are you feeling about last year? And just kind of talk to them a little bit about what their plans are and how you might be a support for this school year because that will help you frame the work that you do this year and it will show you also where a teacher is in their relationship with you. If they are starting out saying that they're not really interested in any coaching support or they feel great and they don't need any help, um, that's one thing, you, then you know that, <laughs> and that is good to know. If they are starting out saying that they want you to like do a lot of stuff for them, you may need to clarify that role a little bit, that you're not there to do stuff, that you're there to support great teaching. Um, so you can really learn a lot about teachers based on what they ask for help with, and this is their opportunity to ask you and talk about what it is that you're interested in, that they're interested in, in growing in this year. I would recommend that whenever you're checking in, kind of scheduling this one-to-one, -one, you create a rotation schedule where you can check in on teachers regularly. So you initiate it with your one-to-one, -one, and then you create a pop-in schedule, sort of, where each week, or you, you maybe pop in on a handful of teachers, and then hopefully by the end of the month, maybe you've gotten to them all, or maybe it takes you five weeks. But the idea is that you want to pop in briefly and just check in, and you know maybe you have a little treat, something special, or maybe you don't. But the idea is you're letting them know that you care, you're checking in on how they're doing, and you're asking how things are going in the classroom. And so we're talking about checking in on the teacher as a person and checking in on classroom work as well. We can do both things as coaches. So whenever you have that little rotation, it helps you really keep track of, of who you visited, uh, when you need to pop in on them next, and that way you make sure that you've got that rotation down and you're not missing anybody. So let's say maybe week one you pop in on grades K and one, 
And week two, you do um, second and third. And then week three of the month, you do, you know, grades four and five. And then week five, uh, four of the month, you do special ed teachers and support staff or, you know, whoever it is that you serve. You can put them on a little rotation and just pop into maybe one or two teachers a day, or maybe you do it all Friday afternoon or something like that. Another strategy after you've initiated your conversation with teachers and you've, you've done a one-on-one -on -one and you kind of have an idea of where they're headed, maybe, they may have told you, they may not, is really to, to take the time and build purpose around sharing stories. Personal stories build personal connection. And when we share stories with teachers, we really get to know who they are and they really get to know who we are and what has shaped us. And sometimes those stories are so enlightening and they tell you so much about who the teacher is as a person. And if it's that enlightening for you as a coach to learn about the teacher, it's super enlightening for the teacher to learn about you as a person as well. You can also take those details from those stories and use them to build bridges to the teacher. So for example, if the stories that teachers tend to share tend to be about animals, maybe you have a pet as well and you can use that to build a bridge to the teacher. I'm not saying that that is going to be the foundation for your coaching work, but sometimes that's a way just to get them to talk to you. <laughs> sometimes you just need to get them to talk to you, and that is one first step that you can take, is using those details from the stories that you've shared to build bridges to the teachers. Another tip is, and this is going to be after your one-on-one, -on -one, is you're gonna start with a positive. Now you may, if you're coaching virtually, because everybody is in lots of different places right now still, if you are coaching virtually, then you're going to visit the virtual classroom. If you are coaching in person, you're going to visit the, the physical classroom. And what I want you to do is find something to be positive about. Sometimes that's going to be really easy. You're going to see a ton of things to be positive about in this classroom, even just the design of the classroom, not because it's beautiful, but because it's purposeful and thoughtful and it includes, you know, space for best practices. It's going to give you so much hope. And then sometimes you're going to walk into a classroom and go, uh-oh, what kind of teaching happens in here? <laughs> and that can be a concern. But I want you to find something positive. Don't lie. Don't make it up but find something. Maybe they're super organized. Maybe they are very tidy. And, you know, maybe they're, it's a minimalist classroom, but they have what they need. Maybe they have a beautiful reading corner and it's got a cozy space for kids to read. Maybe they have a really well-organized classroom library. Maybe their, um, the student space is set up in such a way that kids can work together and dialogue and discuss in teams. Maybe they have a board dedicated to uh, featuring student writing. Whatever it is that you can find that's positive, start there. Because we want to make sure that, that we are framing our work in a way that shows that we're not here to, to, to focus on what's wrong. We're here to grow what's great. You can also visit the classroom when kids are already learning and, you know, start with one classroom visit and send a positive. Um, that, of course, you want to establish with your administration and you want to let teachers know what you're doing, that you're going to pop by to visit rooms and just see how things are going. That you're going to introduce yourself to the kids if that's something you choose to do or something along those lines. Every school functions differently and that's kind of a school culture thing. So you have to be sure that that is okay for you to do if you're just going to do the pop-in during teaching instead of having like a date and time set up to actually do a, a formal classroom visit. But um, 
Either way, start with that positive. Tape a piece of candy or a cute pencil or, or a package of sticky notes to the little note that you leave. And um, that's one way to show teachers that you're not there to, to pass negative judgment on what they're doing. The last tip that I have, and this is so important, is give them a quick win. Whenever teachers are trying to figure something out and they are struggling, sometimes if you can be the person who can give them a quick win, you can change something in that classroom for the better and the teacher goes, ah, this person is credible. So this could look different depending on what your teachers need, but basically you're solving a small problem. It's something that they can turn around immediately, something that they can change quickly that is going to really be supportive of their teaching. It could be a behavioral strategy with a student that they're struggling with. It could be uh, an organizational strategy. It could be that maybe they have a problem getting all their credit reading groups in and you're going to sit there and make a schedule with them. Find a problem. And solve the problem. And that is a quick win that we can use to demonstrate credibility to show teachers that we're really here to, to support them and to help them figure out better ways of doing the things that they're already doing. Technology support is, is totally fine to start with if that's the support that teachers need. But because that's not your end goal, you don't want to get stuck doing technology support. So if that's what they absolutely need and you can't find any other way in, then do it, you know, make yourself available for that, for that teacher. But I would be wary of that because it's not quite like making copies, but it kind of is in that you can easily get stuck in being, oh, well, I'll just ask Chrissy to make some copies. And you don't want to be that person. <laughs> that person is not changing teaching and learning on their campus. So um, help them with technology and then make sure you stick around to help them with something else too. One other thing to think about is if we are approaching teachers with the understanding that they are doing their best, and if we believe that they are trying, then our support can come from a place of, of goodness and sincerity. Sometimes it's really hard to think that, right? You may have been in situations, I know I have, where I've been, I, it's been really hard for me to think that the teacher is trying, that they're trying to do their best. But I find that once I start straying from that belief, my coaching support gets more and more strained, and it's harder for me to build a relationship with a teacher in any context. So we really want to approach with that mindset. And we want to think about, okay, if this teacher is doing their best, then I am here to support them and help them grow, because we're here to help all teachers grow, not struggling teachers, not new teachers, not all teachers. And we can ask the teacher, what is something that you would like support in? And sometimes starting with the teacher goal is the best way to grow that relationship because they know that you're there to help make their teaching experience better. If we say, this is what I think you should work on, then we're already passing judgment and we're telling them what we think is, quote, wrong with their teaching. But if we say, and this was this question that Steve Barclay, the wonderful Steve Barclay, <laughs> asked whenever he was a guest on this podcast, this very podcast earlier this year, he said, Ask the teacher, well, tell me about a student that you are having to work really hard with and you're not seeing the return that you would have expected. Tell me about that student. And that is so gracious because it gives them the grace that they are working really hard with a student and that they are trying and that they are doing their best with that student. And it takes that and, and uses it as a way for them to say, I am working so hard with the student and I'm not seeing a return. The, the student, I, they're trying, I'm trying, things are not getting better. What can I do? 
And that's where you can focus your work together to move into coaching work. But really listening with empathy and listening to understand and valuing that that teacher knows where they're struggling, but maybe doesn't see it as a struggle because you're so used to it. (laughs) That is one way to build that, that relationship to show that you are there as a sincere, supportive coach who is going to help them make things work better in their classroom and make things help, help them grow in a, in a way that is meaningful to them. So those are the things that I would recommend you starting with. Number one, really focus on that equation for trust. Empathy plus credibility equals trust. Number two, schedule a one-on-one conversation with each teacher at the beginning of the year and then create a pop-in rotation schedule so you can make sure you check in on each teacher with regularity. Three is share those stories because personal stories equal personal connection. Four is start with a positive whenever you first visit those classrooms, whether kids are in the classroom or not. And five is give them a quick win. So we want to make sure that we are solving a problem that the teacher cares about because that is going to show that you are useful and valuable and that you can actually contribute to positive change in their classroom. Don't forget to grab that that, um, coaching challenge for resistant teachers. I really think it's going to be helpful to you. And that again is buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 74. And I really hope that you got some good tips from this episode and that you go back to episode 29 with Nita Creekmore. My next session is going to be with a guest coach. We are going to talk about some of the issues that they are having and see if we can come up with some really great solutions and next steps that they could take to support their coaching work. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.